Welcome to Outside by Design, the podcast about the business side of creativity in the outdoor industry. I talk to some of our industry's finest leaders, entrepreneurs, freelancers, and creatives about crafting a life and a career based upon being outside. What's going on to all those marketing managers and photographers and creative human beings in the outdoor industry? Hello, welcome to Outside by Design. I'm Iris. And I'm Lisa, coming at you from Whitefish, Montana at a creative agency called Wheelie. It is December already. I know, it's December. Um, I can't believe it. Q4 is wrapping up. Our 10th year in business is wrapping up. Um, it's been insane. It's been such an exciting year for us at Wheelie. And um, I cannot wait to show you what's dropping in 2020. It's huge. I've been basically like holed up at my house in the woods. I live in a cabin in the woods in Montana. And I've been like spending my weekends completely redoing the Wheelie website and our offerings. And it's I'm so excited about it. I like literally can't sleep sometimes. So um, I can't wait to show you what we're dropping in 2020. But you're gonna have to wait for that. And meanwhile, how many more episodes are we doing in the podcast before we're taking a little break? There are four episodes in December, and then we will be wrapped on season four. And then we'll take a break in January and come back in 2020. Yes, with the new Vision 2020 plan. That's what Oprah's been talking about, Vision 2020. Not that we like... 2020 Vision. Oh, Oprah's been talking about 2020 Vision. Vision 2020. Entertainment 720. Entertainment 720. That's what makes me think. Oprah's talking about 2020 vision. I have the worst vision in the world. Yeah, you can't see it all. I'm like a blind golden retriever. Um, But anyway, wait till you see. (laughs) It's more of a metaphorical 2020 vision. That's why it's vision 2020. Than literal. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Today. (laughs) Today we have... Alyssa Ravazio on the show. She is the founder of HipCamp. I loved this conversation. Alyssa is such a large thinker. Um, She thinks on kind of like a global scale and I can see why HipCamp exists with her vision and I'm all about this conversation. This is one of my favorite episodes of the whole year. And not only does Alyssa talk about founding HipCamp and their values and how they work out all of the difficulties of running basically an online marketplace. She also talks about our new word of the month, which is synthesis. 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 Which means the combination of ideas to form a theory or system or the production of chemical compounds by reaction from simpler materials. Well, that's boring because we don't talk about science as much. Yeah, but I think she's going to focus on the first The definition. first one. And Alyssa talks a lot about synthesis. It comes up a few times in this podcast. So it's a great word of the month and a great episode to kick that word of the month off. So yeah. So let's get to it. Um, Alyssa, thank you so much for being here today, and I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. The first question we ask everyone is to describe where they are and what they're looking at. 
So I am in my office. Uh, we work in downtown San Francisco, which is quite a juxtaposition for an outdoors company. And I'm looking at a couple of things. Um, I'm looking at an amazing salvaged redwood table we got made by some local artisans. It really reminds me of the beauty of the nature, even when I'm at Fifth and Mission in downtown San Francisco. Um, I'm looking at a cool little succulent garden I built in a hollowed out log that keeps me close to nature while I'm here. And then I'm also looking at an amazing uh, full building size monarch butterfly mural um, by an artist named, I believe, Jane. Uh, I'm trying to remember her last name, but she's an incredible muralist and she's actually um, painting these monarch butterfly murals across the entire migratory path of the butterfly. And I believe we've lost about 90% of the monarch butterfly population just in the last decade or two. And I think her work is really drawing attention to, you know, some of the big decisions we face as a culture right now. Wow. That was an amazing answer. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I'm a very visual person, so I'm always making sure I'm staring at, staring at beautiful things. And the, the artist's name is Jane Kim. She's an amazing, um, just does an amazing, amazing work. Cool. We will put a link to her in the show notes. Cool. So you started Hip Camp. Um, there's quite a bit of media out there where you go into detail on that. But for our creative audience, um, yeah, do you want to just talk about how you had an idea and knew you needed to do something and actually put it into action? I think you know, the important part of understanding kind of the decision I made to start Hip Camp was that I really knew I wanted to start something. Um, I'm fairly unemployable, I would say. I didn't have an easy time as it, of it as an employee. I actually got fired three times from the two jobs I had after college before Hip Camp. So I think that record speaks for itself. So, you know, I knew I wanted to start something that I could really own and and, and run and, and make decisions around, um, but I didn't know what. And the decision to start Hip Camp when I made it, while terrifying on so many levels, was also very easy because I seen this really big, really obvious problem that I felt fairly confident I could solve. And, and particularly that problem was, it was just so hard to find a great place to go camping. And I think for me, why I knew it was something I was going to be excited to spend, you know, if things go well, decades of my life working on, was that not only was it a real problem that I knew people experienced, that I experienced, um, but also that it was one that felt worth solving. I knew that when I spent time outside, I felt um, happier and healthier and just, it was where I always kind of have realized what mattered and what doesn't. It's where I've developed a lot of kind of confidence in myself. And so the idea of, you know, making the outdoors something more people can enjoy and have an easier time getting um, to be a part of was a really obvious thing that I knew was kind of worth my, my time. As far as we know, we only live once. So I think, you know, for me, knowing that what I'm spending my time on is really the right thing was, has been just a huge part of staying motivated through all the incredible challenges and hardships that um, come along with starting any business. Absolutely. And 
I love your just natural ability to think globally. Um, wh like, where does that come from? Interesting. I'm not, I guess I'm not sure. I think, you know, I've always been very influenced by the Whole Earth Catalog. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that publication, but um, it was started by a man named Stuart Brand. And Stuart kind of made his claim to fame by um, campaigning Congress in the early 70s to get NASA, which was, you know, a new, new thing that we had satellites up in space, to take a photo of the whole Earth. The theory being that if people on the planet could see the whole Earth, uh, we would have this moment of just realizing, hey, we are all in this together. You know, nation-state borders actually are kind of stories we tell ourselves, and we better all get along and kind of snap out of a lot of this kind of uh, nationalism and war thinking that, that, you know, characterized a lot of that time of the Vietnam War ending and all that, and um, still continues to this day in a lot of ways. So I think that, you know, reading that publication and really thinking about the whole earth as a single uh, entity or even organism has just been something I've always had in my mind. I guess I got to credit my mom there. She's always kind of introduced me to all sorts of funky, cool 70s counterculture stuff like the whole earth catalog or Buckminster Fuller and a lot of his theories around um, just kind of the, he calls it spaceship earth. So the whole earth being the spaceship, we all are in charge of flying together. Um, so I think I've always, always kind of thought of the planet as a, a single, a single thing that we're all, we're all part of. That, that sounds amazing. And it also ties in really directly with the word of the month on our podcast, which is synthesis. Yeah. Um, the combination of ideas to form a theory or system. So, I mean, what what do you think of when you hear the word synthesis? What does that mean to you? It's a great word um, and one that I think we need to keep in mind a lot more often. So I'm very glad it's your word of the month. Um, you know, I think for any entrepreneur, you know, um, whether it's a nonprofit or a, a company or, or even just an initiative that you're starting, um, normally that is the result of some form of synthesis, right? You've seen different data points, um, maybe everything from, you know, a certain uh, Excel document with really compelling data, but then you also heard a story from a customer, but then you also kind of through your own lived experience realized a really, um, you know, important truth. Bringing all of those data points together is really what I think you know, any successful entrepreneur has to do to basically see something that others haven't, right? That's what really lies at the core of successful entrepreneurship in my mind is, you know, you have to see something others haven't because if there is, if other people had seen it and it's a good idea and it can be profitable, arguably it will, it would have been done by now. Um, and so I think kind of pulling together various things to synthesize a single idea is um, really at the crux of entrepreneurship. And really, I think a lot of what we need is a broader culture as well right now. I think there's so much incredible um, advancements and progress that science, Western science, has, has brought to us. But it's also led us to really want to put things in there, you know, very specific categories and subcategories of categories. And it, it leads to, I think, um, fragmented thinking and not a lot of collaboration across 
things like math and English, which should obviously be collaborating all the time, in my opinion. And so um, as an example, at, at university, I actually ended up creating a major because I was so frustrated at how narrow the traditional major seemed. I wanted to study the internet. And I was obsessed with the internet. And I was like, well, I obviously need to combine classes from you know, as far ranging as communications to computer science to anthropology um, to art and design. And I want to study all of those things um, and synthesize them into a single theory that essentially the internet is the most powerful technology we've created uh, since language. And it's going to completely reshape our entire society. So we should probably understand, you know, as deeply as we can how it works and, and what impact it's likely to have and how to influence that. Wow. That's, that's amazing. So is your degree, like, what's the formal <laughs> title? Not, not the internet. No, not the internet. Um, you know, it's funny. I tried to call it the interlightenment because I was, <laughs> I had this theory that much like the printing press had catalyzed the enlightenment, um, that the internet was going to catalyze the interlightenment. But my professors were like, no, that's not you need to be able to be employable after this. Like no one's going to take you seriously if that's your degree. So it's called digital democracy, which is also, I think, a, a fine way to talk about what I was studying, which is essentially that, um, you know, my theory of the internet is that it really has a very democratizing force. It democratizes access to information and resources and each other. And um, studied that across business as well as media and, and government. Wow. You know how you don't have art on your walls at the office and you need some? Yes, I don't know how to hang things. Well, I have a business for you. They print beautiful prints of photos directly on glass. They print directly on glass? Yeah, it's like glass, but it's also a photo. You know what you need before you can do that? What? Great photography. Oh no, where am I gonna get that? A creative agency I know called Wheelie. Okay, what's Wheelie? WheelieCreative.com. It's where brands go when they need digital strategy, awesome production, normal human beings that can talk about nerdy things and not make you feel like a nerd, and also a team that really hits deadlines, and also a project manager from New Jersey. We call her Jersey Jess. Will she be able to deliver quality photos that I can print on glass? Yes, our in-house team takes killer photos and they climb around all over in the mountains, everywhere that you would ever need to go to get an amazing photo. Wow, that sounds like I should hire Wheelie. WheelieCreative.com. You bet your glass. Wow, I think that we are all going to need bigger hats because Alyssa just made all our brains so much bigger. That was some serious knowledge bombs. Yeah, Alyssa loves our word of the month synthesis, and I think she definitely embodies it as an entrepreneur and as just a global citizen. Um, being a, That skill is so unique to be able to synthesize ideas from all sorts of different subjects and areas of study and take um, inspiration from all those areas and combine all of that data into something usable. Yes, I... Totally respect how Alyssa talks about seeing data points and hearing a story and turning that into an experience so that it turns into something that becomes a little bit more global and bigger than what one person sees that others haven't. And it kind of goes into expansion and um, I'm all about it. I'm so impressed by everything Alyssa has created. 
let's hear more from Alyssa and her experience as an entrepreneur. So you came up with this idea and you knew that, that you had the internet as a platform to solve this problem. Um, so did, were you starting coding in college? I know you, you, you actually coded the very first iteration of HipCamp, right? I did. It was not easy. Um, I did a little coding in college, basic HTML and CSS. So really just kind of moving um, elements around on a, on a basic web page. Um, I stopped for a couple of years. Um, and then, actually, right when I had the idea for HipCamp, um, I had enrolled in a boot camp. So it was a three-month-long learn-how-to-code programming boot camp. And that ended up being an incredible experience. I was kind of going to it thinking I probably wasn't going to love it, but it was important to learn because I knew I wanted to start a company. Um, and I ended up actually loving it. So it was a really great program in that so much of the process of learning how to code is just being okay, feeling really dumb every day. You just, it's like as adults, I think we actually go to great lengths to not, to put ourselves in situations where we're going to succeed and do something we're good at. And learning how to code is like being okay, being in kindergarten again, and, you know, not understanding the name, the names on the color wheel. And, and that's a hard, very humbling experience to go through as an adult. And so going through that with a community of students and with the support of our teachers, um, I think just really was a, a fun and powerful experience for me that ultimately gave me enough skills to hobble together a very basic version of HipCamp um, back when we started. Wow. And then how did it, how did it grow from there as far as creative process goes? So I've always looked at hip camp as something I'm really co-creating with our community because it's something that, you know, was really designed to solve people's problems and our mission, which has been the same since the beginning, which is get more people outside, you know, obviously asking those people how we're doing and what we need to do better to get them outside uh, has always been a huge part of the process. So I built the first version of the website, um, mostly with the help of my little sisters and uh, my friend Natalie. And then once we kind of got it out in the world, it was about, you know, anyone who would talk to me, I would ask them for their feedback. What do you think about this feature? Am I missing um, something that you're looking for? What should I build next? And so I've kind of always just listened to the community, asked questions and co-created uh, HipCamp with them. Wow. And, and so it's evolved from something that you kind of like strapped together to now you have a full development team, right? How large is that development team? So our whole company is about 45 people right now. So it's definitely feeling very different for me since when it was just, you know, myself. Um, it's a lot more fun now. So yeah, so since, you know, building the initial version of the site, I would say the, the arc has looked something like you know, because we had a product in the website out there that was, you know, getting a little bit of traction and gaining people's interest. It just so happened that one of those, you know, early people um, was an angel investor named Dave Warren. And he ended up, you know, leading our, our initial round of funding. And then with that funding, we were able to, uh, you know, figure out that while putting all of the existing campgrounds, you know, in the country on one map was helpful, it wasn't actually solving the problem because so often they're all booked up. And so we had to work with private landowners to 
create more campsites that led to our next funding round. So it's kind of just been this process of, you know, step-by-step listening to the community, thinking through, are we actually solving the real problem here in the best way we can um, and building the team as we go. And then you also grew the company pretty organically, right? You mentioned before we recorded that you don't buy media and everything has happened naturally. How do you want to talk about that? That seems so rare. Yeah, it, um, you know, I think it's a very natural extension of solving a very real problem. I think a lot of um, times when companies have a harder time getting going, it's more like a solution looking for a problem. And that can be really hard um, to get out into the world, I think, because you then, then do have to like really pay, I think, a lot to get people's attention. For us, we've always stayed really laser focused on this problem, which is it's just way too hard to go camping. Um, and we've actually stayed very open to the solution. So some of the best advice I've gotten was to fall in love with the problem, but not the solution. Like, don't be so, you know, egotistical to assume that your solution is going to be the solution. Like, stay focused on your problem, um, but be open to the universe or your community having a better idea for your solution. So I think because we've always built the company with that in mind, you know, we've created something that really solves a problem a lot of people have. And so when you find something that solves a problem that's real, it's pretty natural to tell people about it. And so we've been really fortunate um, in terms of reaching, you know, all of the campers and RVers and and glampers that we want to reach um, that we haven't had to buy ads or, or, you know, do big campaigns. We just really have to stay focused on, you know, building the right product and getting the right um, campsites and glamp sites and RV spots for them. And then they, they tell each other, um, which is really, I think, a powerful way to build a brand. And so were you using influencers or how do you, how do you work with photographers? Like, what does the success with organic growth actually look like for you? Yeah, we haven't done too much influencer work. Um, it's definitely something I'm interested in because I really, again, value community. And I know that so many people out there have done an amazing job creating communities around them that really share values. And that um, is an exciting new growth idea for us. Um, we do have a photography program where we'll actually pay photographers to go camping for free on uh, newer hip camps and take photos of the land and the site where you'll actually be staying. Um, and that's been super successful. We are looking to scale that up really across the country right now. Well, we have a lot of photographers who listen to this podcast. So um, yeah, where can they find more information about that? Yeah, that's very exciting. We are actively recruiting um, photographers across the country uh, right now and hopefully uh, quite soon um, internationally as well. Um, so you can just go to Hip Camp and uh, search for photography um, or Hip Camp Photography on Google and you'll find a way to sign up. That's so cool. I'm sure people will check that out. That's awesome. And I really love well clicking around on your website, how you just throw your values right out there more so than a product or a solution. You're talking about your values um, to get more people outside and to leave it better. Yeah. How, how uh, yeah. I mean, what does, what does that mean to you and, and why, why that creative decision as far as the website too? 
I think, you know, some of the most challenging work we're doing as a company is really creating a culture um, where people are able to, you know, go outside on our platform, but with the right mindset, because the core of what HipCamp's doing is finding, you know, these incredible landowners and then basically pairing them up with people who, who want to get outside. And so making sure those people are coming together. Um, and by the way, these people are often very, very, very different. One's rural, one's urban. One's younger, one might be older. One's conservative, one might be very liberal. So you can imagine there's kind of this big um, meeting of, of people who might not otherwise meet each other. And when we realized really early on that to have that um, go well and to build community across these different types of people that often don't identify as being part of a shared community, we had to be really um, thoughtful and intentional about defining what what it meant to be part of the hip camp community. And the, the core of that really is leave it better. And leave it better for me is um, taking leave no trace, which is amazing, and really building on it and saying, you know, there's gonna be 10 billion people on the planet at some point not too long from now. And uh, many, many scientists and geologists are now saying that we live in the Anthropocene. Right, we live in the era of man. Our, our, the humanity's impact on the planet is literally the defining aspect of this, this era. You know, we're not leaving no traces and actually a, a feasible goal. We're having a, a big impact, a massive one. And so I think, you know, step one is accepting that, and and owning that as a culture, and saying, okay, we're completely reshaping you know, not only uh, the face of the, the land and the temperature of the ocean, but the very atmosphere itself at this point. So let's own that and, and get, get okay with that because it's, it's happening and denying it's not going to help anybody. And then step two is how can we make that impact positive if we're, if we're ready to accept that we do have a big impact on our, on our earth? How can we make that impact positive? And I think at the core of Hip Camp's community is a belief that it is possible for people at scale to have a positive impact on the environment. And we see this, you know, every day with our landowners, especially our hosts really embody this for us. It's actually how we got the phrase, leave it better. So many of our hosts kept saying it to me again and again in the context of my goal is just to leave this land a little better than I found it. Um, they're going out there and replanting uh, native plants. They're planting milkweed so the monarch butterfly can have more habitat in its migratory path, which is the number one cause of why it's, it's at risk of extinction right now. Um, they're rebuilding the stream so the salmon can run. They're growing food in a way that uh, puts carbon in the soil and leaves the ecosystem more diverse and healthy than it was before. And so I think just seeing these examples in real life and actually seeing people who are committing their lives to having a positive impact on the environment um, gives people a lot of hope. It gives people a little bit more, I think, concrete examples of what it looks like to have a good impact as a human in the year 2019, um, which could be confusing to a lot of people right now. And I really empathize with that. I think a lot of our systems and culture have been built in a way that makes it really hard um, to have a good impact. And so I think giving people examples and and really actionable ways to, to improve the impact they have is, is what we get really excited about as a company. Wow. Um, I 
have you written a book? I feel like you should like write a book or run for president or do something because this this is unbelievable. Oh, really um, kind of you. I'm really again. I I will come bring it back to your word synthesis. I really I feel really lucky to be in the position I'm in because I get to talk to so many brilliant creative people. Our landowners are these you know, brilliant, creative nature entrepreneurs. And I get to just sit and listen and, and understand how they see the world and they see our culture and um, just feel really lucky to be in a position to be able to synthesize so many of those ideas into the, the brand that in my mind really stands for what our culture needs today. Lisa, when you step out of the shower, the first thing that you do is you put on underwear. This is assuming you shower. Yeah, I didn't today. But if I did take a shower this morning, the first thing I would have put on is underwear. And that's because the stuff that's underneath really matters. It cradles you, it's supportive, and it should be comfortable and keep you going throughout your day. There are companies out there that make incredibly comfortable underwear. But even better than that is a creative agency I know that believes that what's under your brand matters even more than what's under your clothing. What creative agency is that? WheelieCreative.com. It's actually just called Wheelie, but the URL is wheeliecreative.com. And at Wheelie, we know that what's underneath your brand is incredibly important to the rest of your brand's day, such as a comfortable, supportive strategy that keeps your business fresh. So check out wheeliecreative.com. It's like underwear for your brand. Lisa, what do you think about Alyssa's thoughts on falling in love with the problem and not the solution? I was all about that because we see so commonly in business that someone has a business, they have a solution, and then they have to go look for a problem. Like, we have a solution. Do you have a problem? And that just becomes exhausting and not really an organic way to approach business. But when you actually see a problem, like a disconnect between landowners and people who perhaps live in a really urban setting and, 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 you know, you're working with that different solution and you see lots of problems within a business model. That's, that's also so exciting. And I don't think it's bad to use the word problem. Like when, when I say, a, you know, you see problems, it doesn't necessarily mean like horrible catastrophic things. It's like something that's open to a new way of doing things. And I think being able to be growth minded when dealing with problems is so key in business, especially in, in a creative industry and as well as in the outdoor industry, because we all need the planet to play outside. Yeah, I love the idea of not staying married to the first solution that you come up with and just focusing on that problem and making sure that at all times you're solving that problem for people. That's going to allow you to be flexible and grow with technological changes and changes in your customer base. Mm -hmm. All right, let's get back to Alyssa. How, like, how are you finding these landowners or how are they finding you? Because we, our office is headquartered in Whitefish, Montana. And um, so we know, you know, the struggles of remote existence in a way. And um, a lot of a lot of that audience is not on the internet necessarily um, too mm -hmm. frequently. How are you, how are you guys getting connected? It's fascinating. 
it's really hard. I won't lie to you. <laughs> um, it's really the core challenge for our company and um, pretty much as far as we understand our our company, which is really a marketplace, right? It's really where buyers and sellers are coming together. And so it has these really interesting dynamics. Um, as far as we can tell, the rate at which our company is able to expand is, is completely and utterly dependent on how many landowners we can reach <laughs> and kind of onboard into this, um, this way of, you know, hosting people on their land and really turning private land into um, places where people can recreate, um, not just camp, but hike and fish and, and do all the great things that one can do outside. So we do a lot of um, just outreach, to be honest, just a lot of cold outreach, <laughs> good old fashioned mm -hmm. calls. Um, we've really designed our platform so that even if you're not, and especially if you're not on a computer often, you can still use it. So we've actually invested heavily, for example, in SMS. A lot of the interactions um, a landowner might have with HipCamp can be done entirely through text message because we know that people aren't always in an area that has super fast, high speed mobile networks. Um, and increasingly mm -hmm. what we're seeing is that as, you know, words getting out and landowners are earning, you know, real income on this platform, we have many landowners earning um, well over six figures this year. Um, they start to tell each other and they start to tell their friends. And so increasingly people are coming to us um, to learn more. And we've got a great team of market managers that, you know, each have their own area of the U.S. and can really advise these potential new hip camp posts on, on how to be best set up for success. That's truly amazing. It's fun. Um, yeah. Wow. And how does that duality usually go between the landowner and like maybe someone coming from an urban setting out, out onto the land? Is that, do you provide any type of training to the landowner on like what to expect or manage expectations. Cause I know the human experience is so unpredictable <laughs> and, you know, you can't control that at all. Um, so what, what do you put in place to kind of uh, help, help foster that mindset that, that the values are of hip camp? Great question. We do a lot of, again, to bring it back to the values and culture, we do a lot of really intentional, um, experience design to again kind of get people in the right mindset we don't want people showing up and thinking oh this is going to be like a hotel and everything's going to be perfectly ironed out because it's it's not in many cases it's a working ranch or a working farm and like you're showing up to have this really unique experience and you need to be ready to you know you need to be up for a little adventure uh now and then so i think what we've learned to date can be summarized by saying that when you bring people together over something they really both care about, and in this case, it's the outdoors or nature, it's amazing how much, how little everything else matters. And so I think really keeping um, both sides of the platform focused on this is about getting more people outside. This is about connecting people with nature. So many of our hosts sign up for Hip Camp because they deeply believe that you know, our culture has kind of gotten far too disconnected from nature and that getting people more connected with the land and the water and how do we grow our food and why do I have clean air and water and who's supporting that? They believe that that's 
a lot of the change we need to see right now. And so they view themselves and the work they're doing is really, you know, part of that, um, that cultural movement. And then I think on the camper side, you know, doing the best we can to set expectations and say, hey, this is, you know, a private individual who's running, let's say, a, a blueberry farm. And they've got a lot going on. And it's really awesome that they're open to having you and your, you know, your friends come and enjoy and experience, you know, their life. And so really, I think building empathy on both sides through the communication of values and also keeping focus on the shared, uh, the shared value of, of the outdoors and the importance of nature. Wow. And is there like a vetting process for um, our Montana listeners and, you know, people who might, might be landowners? Like how do they find out more? Yeah. So if you are a landowner interested in earning some extra income and getting people, more people excited about nature, um, if you go to hipcamp.com, you can um, just click on become a host and learn more there. And we do have um, good onboarding, good training, real people you can pick up the phone and talk to, to really understand if, if, if your property and your lifestyle is going to be a great, a great match for what we're doing. Cool. We will uh, be sure to include a link on that. Thank you. And I, I have a question for you. I'm so curious your answer on this um, because you started hip camp, you've had a tremendous growth, your life has changed, you have 45 people. Um, so what has becoming a boss to on this scale made you realize about yourself? That's a deep question. Yeah. Hmm. A million things. <laughs> I think, you know, part of, um, any, any startup, any organization that you're creating, I think as a, a manager and especially as, um, as a leader or the leader of, of an organization, you learn very quickly that any, um, any flaw you have will be mirrored back to you through your team, whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I would say the, the process of building this company has taught me repeatedly all the things um, that I need to work on and change and address um a few of the it's quite humbling and fun right you have to just enjoy the the process of it all I think um let's see one of the bigger learnings that really stands out to me is around um self-care actually so you know I think before um before starting hip camp you know I was spending a lot of time surfing and hiking and backpacking. And I was really active and it was uh, really quite um, drastic once starting the company, how quickly I gave all that up. I really stopped being active. I really stopped doing all these things that um, made me feel good in my body because I thought I just needed to get a lot more work done Mm -hmm. and that that would help. And so I think one of the, the biggest learnings I've had to really grapple with is, you know, that I do have a body. I'm lucky to have a body. Um, and that I have to take care of it. There's no, there's no like shortcut there. I can't, you know, ignore my body for a year or two and and just think that somehow that's going to make me smarter or get more work done. Those things are really intrinsically connected. So I've had to really change a lot of my habits and patterns around, you know, getting enough sleep and getting enough exercise and eating well and, 
um, doing the activities that really make me feel really good, like surfing um, or yoga or hiking or horseback riding. Um, so I don't know if that counts, but I would say that's probably the biggest thing I've had to really realize and, and, and learn um, during this process so far. That's cool. And how do you, uh, like, how do you kind of loop self-care into your company culture for your employees? Yeah, we do. We do a lot of things that I think um, help keep it top of mind for people. It's really important, especially in, you know, the culture we're right in the middle of here in San Francisco, where there's almost this bizarre glorification of being underslept and overworked. Um, which is again, bizarre, but it's, it's a big part of kind of the, the culture right here, right now. Um, and so I think, you know, as within anything, we can say all the things we want, but what people really pay attention to are what you do. And so I think making sure that especially, um, leaders and managers at the company are taking care of themselves and are really leading by example, um, that's super important. And that's what people um, pay the most attention to. And then we also do, you know, cool programs where we make sure everyone um, has plenty of hip cash, we call it, so they can go outside and go, you know, hip camping whenever they want. Um, we do cool company offsites where we'll do, you know, meditation or yoga or go hiking or surfing or paddleboarding. Um, and so really building that in as, as much as we can into kind of the experience of being a team member here at Hip Camp is is super important to us. Um, I'm hoping we're going to start having uh, weekly yoga classes in the office too. So I think really just building that into the the daily rituals is really important. Very cool. Well, I know you're a busy human being and I'm so grateful for your time today. Um, is there anything I didn't ask you that you think our creative outdoorsy audience would like to know? Yeah, you've asked great questions. Um, you know, I think the only thing I'd add that is you know, something as a brand we, we, we need to get better at telling the story about, but as, um, you know, people potentially using hip camp, it's really important to understand is that when you go hip camping, when you go and stay with these uh, incredible landowners, you are directly supporting the protection of, of private land. And the United States is currently 60% privately owned. Uh, we're actually currently losing about five family farms every week right now in the United States. And this land and this habitat is essential, um, not only for, for reversing climate change, but also for um, protecting plant and animal life um, from extinction. We're, we're actually seeing that you know, habitat loss is definitely the leading cause of biodiversity loss, but also the leading cause of climate change. And so when you get outside on private land, your, the money you're spending is going um, to really supporting uh, habitat that needs to be protected. So you can get outside and have fun and, and know that you're contributing to something important as well. That's so cool. Well, I am just blown away by this, you know, ecosystem that, that you've been able to um, develop, this business ecosystem that does so much good for the planet. And uh, I'm just really honored you were on the podcast. Oh, Lisa, thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun and congrats on all the amazing ecosystems and uh, companies you've created as well. 
Thank you so much for being here, Alyssa. This was an incredible episode, and I've been following Hip Camp for a while, and it's really cool to see who's behind it. Yeah, I can't wait till you write a book or run for president or become a global leader. Really, just whatever. I'm totally on board. <laughs> Thanks for being here. And if you're looking for a place to stay on your next adventure, check out Hip Camp. And with that, we will see you next week. Yep. Don't forget, listeners, to leave us a review. Tell us what you like or don't like. You can also email us directly with people that you think should be on the podcast. Or you can give us feedback or tell us jokes. Just email hello at wheeliecreative.com. That's right. And you can find us at wheeliecreative.com or at wheeliecreative on Instagram. We're on all the things. You can find us anywhere. (laughs) Yep. Meanwhile, enjoy synthesizing the shit out of your week. Woo!